Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Chris, it's that time of year where all the fancy coffees start getting really exciting on everyone's social media channels. (laughs) Yes, I have seen the pumpkin spice pop up a little bit everywhere. It's funny, on the brew this morning, they they said, I don't know if you get the brew daily to Mm -hmm. your inbox, but they said to say the word crisp out loud. I did it. I did it like twice. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Like you can just feel it like rolling through your mouth. I'm like, oh my God, that is so interesting, isn't it? Right. (laughs) That's a good word. Uh, So great. Yeah. Pretty exciting. All right. So today's guest is I'm excited to have on this show, Dottie Posto. She started out as a business analyst and project manager. In these roles, she repeatedly got does not play well with others. (laughs) It wasn't until she was introduced to change management and organizational development work and received transformational coaching that her career and life shifted. Dottie has worked with iconic brands like the Chicago Tribune, KPMG, Pete Marwick, Hewitt Associates, Harley Davidson, and Molson Coors. Dottie is a leadership consultant and coach specializing in helping leaders and teams turn around the curse of cordial hypocrisy, where bullies have created a nice organization, and it's costing them money and opportunities and creating more risk. Dottie, welcome to the show. Hey, Dottie. It's great to be here. Thank you. Excited to have you. So those who don't know what it means, and I I have some questions myself about this, what is the curse of cordial hypocrisy? God, for some reason, that word is not, does not crispy, crispily roll off of the tongue. (laughs) Um, Yeah, crispily. (laughs) And how does it show up in manufacturing organizations? The curse of cordial hypocrisy. So the curse of cordial hypocrisy is when you have people being nice, being agreeing, they're either being silent or they're being agreeable and it's a lie. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're afraid of someone or maybe they've been shut down in the past. Maybe there's someone who's just really dominating every conversation. And so they just either stay silent or they agree when they really don't agree. And the and it just creates a lot of problems in an organization because then, you know, first of all, you've got lower productivity in the background because people are, you know, behind the scenes. I'm not doing that or I don't agree with that. And so there's all of this, you know, conversation in the background that is in disagreement with whatever the was going on. And then whatever project or whatever they're trying to move forward isn't going to move forward. You know, they're not going to get the same traction. They're not going to have the same speed. They're not going to have the same results if not everyone is in alignment and not everyone agrees and not everyone wants to move forward. And you'll also find it sometimes where people are doing this out of loyalty, you Mm -hmm. know, because, oh, they've been here a really long time and, you know, they must know they've got all the, you know, when really it's, you know, people aren't tapping into their own wisdom and, and 
the group is not leveraging the the wisdom of everybody on their team. Yeah. So so does this fall into toxicity at all with an environment or is this like a totally different scale of working together? No, it is. It is. And it's what it's what you might hear people talk about with positive, toxic positivity, hmm. where hmm. people are being positive, they're being agreeable. And most people, I mean, there's got to be at least someone on the team who realizes that this isn't really what's going on. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we all agree. And if the leader is in that position of like, oh, yeah, we've got agreement, everybody agrees. And it's like, come on, <laughs> get to know yeah. your people, you know? And so there's ways that you can get around it, but it, it is that toxic positivity is when people, it's similar, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar where people don't want to be negative. They, they think that conflict or negativity or any kind of disagreement is bad. And so right. they want to make everything beautiful and positive and, and wonderful when in truth, life is 50, 50, everything 50, 50, it's going to be 50% crap, 50% good. <laughs> and, you know, the more you try to cover up that crap and the, the, you know, the horrible parts of the, the life, you, sh it's like trying to hold down a beach ball underwater. Mm -hmm. It's going to explode. It's going to pop up somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then it pops up in a way that is really destructive. Mm -hmm. And it pops up in a way that is probably way more messy and volatile than what it would need to be for whatever situation it pops up in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've certainly seen this on teams that have come together, you know, in groups and I'm, I'm interested to know what should the leader do? I didn't know that it had a name, right? So I, I think it's really interesting that there's a name for this, but what can the leader do to kind of stifle that or call it out and make, make it obvious so that the direction of, you know, the behaviors and the attitudes and is changed so that you can move forward and get the better benefit. There's a few things that the leader can do. There are some very pointed tactical things. The first thing that the leader has to do though is to build the trust, get a sense for and understand what's really going on in the organization. Have a one-to-one -one and really see if you can draw out honest, candid feedback. So building trust, having the trust in the organization that, that each employee will have that honest, candid conversation with the leader is absolute foundational, absolute foundational. And there's different ways to do that. You can do that just by getting to know your people better, asking, you know, questions about them as a person, the more they know you as a person, the more you're open and vulnerable and, and honest with what you're thinking and you're feeling and what you're seeing in the group the more honesty and, and candidness that you're going to, and candor that you're going to get back from your team. Another thing is to find ways to, I don't like to use this word, but in a sense, force constructive conflict. Mm. And it mm. might be that you name one person in the, on the team, let's say you're having a conversation about trying to resolve something and you, in the past, you know that everybody, you know, one person is the strong personality or the the strong voice or the bully even that does not play well with 
other's personality that everybody always agrees with. And maybe you ask that one person to play the devil's advocate about the situation or even ask anyone else. See if you can take find someone who's got you know, a little bit of boldness, a little bit of assertiveness mm -hmm. and ask them to play the devil's advocate, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's different ways. And I think I just actually did an email on this, or it's my next email, um, where you can have everybody put on a post-it their idea and then submit it and you read them off so that everybody's ideas, and then there's different ways you could say, okay, everybody has to, we're going to go around the room and everybody has to offer a different idea, mm -hmm. no matter how crazy, no matter how mm -hmm. weird, you know, and, and when you start to get weird and like, and accept that, that some of these, whatever you bring up, some of it is going to be crazy and some of it isn't going to work. And that's okay because that's how we get into that creative brain, that creative problem solving and don't get in that group think, or, you know, there's different pathologies that, that are, and I'm, I'm trying to think of what the other one was. I just saw a presentation on this of, of the group thing can also get even sure. have a little bit different flavor to it where, you know, one person says one thing and it's like, okay, let's just all go that way. When really there could be seven, 10, 30 different ideas. Sure. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I feel like I want to have a little side session with you and get some therapy because these are things that I've been thinking a lot about lately, but I, something I want to make sure that our listeners get to hear from you is, have you seen a difference in different sectors in terms of receptivity to these ideas? And, you know, with, I'm just going to say it, you know, manufacturing tends to have a more, let's say, in some cases, old fashioned way of approaching business. I'm sure there are some industries that are like, bring it. We want to hear this. We're very engaged on the newest way to handle. So two part question, do, do you actually see a difference in various industries or sectors in receptivity to these ideas? And if you do, what are some of the tools that people can use if it's not as natural for them to bring these into into how they do their work? I think you're, you know, you, there, there's validity to what you're saying in terms of manufacturing often being the maybe old school or kind of an old style of leadership. And when I say old style, maybe the you know, some more, more of a command and control or, and I think it really depends on, you know, I, I haven't been in every industry. I think it, you know, when there is, you know, I think age is part of it, but I've seen some older leaders, you know, there was a gentleman in a manufacturing plant. I did some work with a manufacturing plant where when, after the eight months that I worked with them, the CEO retired. So he was an older leader and he and his leadership team, some of which were older, some of who were older, some of who were, you know, in their kind of mid-career. Mm -hmm. And it took some time and they they did, it did create openness. But with that top leader being open to it, he really had built some social capital with that team. Oh, sure. mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. that, 
that that is a critical piece that you have to have the trust. You have to have the social capital. And when the top leader says, this is important, I get this. And, and it took a little bit for us to, you know, I was working with the HR manager who I had also worked with earlier in my career. And it took a little bit for him to kind of, you know, crack open a little bit. But the more you've got senior leadership involved and the senior leadership seeing that this is this can make a difference. And it made a huge difference on his team. I mean, he had some very volatile le leaders. He had some very defensive leaders. Yeah. And he was, we were able to, and I will tell you, there's one activity that we did in the beginning that absolutely changed things that helped open that door. And it's a it's an activity that I call the shield. And what you do is you have everyone create a flip chart size sheet of paper. And I've done this with manufacturing teams. I've done it with leadership teams. I've done it with corporate level teams. I've done it with change management, all sorts of different teams. And what you do is it's a four quadrant and everybody creates a personal crest and they create it with pictures more than words. Oh, like okay. the fewer words, as, as few words as possible. And part of the reason we use pictures is because it accesses a different part of our brain. Mm -hmm. it, it makes us really think differently than mm -hmm. when we're just using words. And, and you use flip chart paper and you have the first quadrant is your journey to where you are now. And you can, you know, you don't give them much instruction on it. Some people go back to, I was born here. I have this many siblings. And, and so they tell their story. Then the second quadrant is what are your strengths and weaknesses? And you try to do, you know, three of each. Then what are your pet peeves? Okay. And then what is your vision of success? And you oh, put great. them on yeah. the wall and uh -huh. you do like an art walk. That created connection and trust with that team that absolutely changed the trajectory of their results. That sounds wow. lovely. Boom. I'd love to do that exercise. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, Mic drop. That's that? it. That's a great yeah, it's a powerful, it's a powerful activity. Yeah. And I, I really like what you're saying about the pictures as well. I think another benefit to the pictures over the words is, you know, words are hard because people take them in different ways and the same with images, but you don't ascribe as much a sort of intent behind an image. And I think that's a really nice, nice exercise. I love that. And, you know, what I'm hearing from you is there there, it may be a more challenge in one sector or another. And, you know, we stereotyping various sectors is just natural, but I'm hearing from you, leadership is key mm -hmm. and patience to go through. It might take a little bit longer, but be patient and, and trust in the process. And so that it doesn't, you know, maybe it doesn't come natural to your leader, but if they're committed to the process, then it it, it doesn't matter if they've, you know, yeah. Yeah. done something yeah. like this before or not. So that's a really cool idea. I love it. Thank yeah. you. And you know what I'm hearing too, Erin, you know, just that something that comes to my mind as I was hearing Dottie talk and you asked your question is that sometimes it's not just by industry. Sometimes it's cultural. 
like we are in Wisconsin and we tend to be very nice people, especially when it's early on and we're trying to take on a difficult subject and people keep being kind to each other. Just like when we stop at a stop sign and everybody keeps waving, no, you go, you go, you go. We do this in Wisconsin all the time, but you go to New York, right? And they just jump in and they, yeah. you know, and it's point. I, you know, I, I love the play devil's advocate. I mean, you, you always have those people that do that all the time and you can also be annoyed by that, but you know, <laughs> so I mean, sometimes, <laughs> but I think the devil's advocate always does introduce a new level of thinking that, that then everybody has to respond to some, some great actions and advice there. I really love it. Thank you. Yeah. So let's move to the section that I think is super fun and it's called, I just learned that. So we'll go around the horn here. Dottie, we'll save you for last, but why don't we start with Chris? Uh, what finish the sentence? I just learned that. I just learned that there's a beautiful beach in California in San Diego called La Jolla Beach. Mm-hmm. Has anybody been there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous. So I'm leaving for San Diego tomorrow morning. Yeah. We have somebody here that came to the farm this morning to kind of get a little training on, you know, taking care of our animals while we're gone. And the Women in Manufacturing Summit is in San Diego this year. So it's next week, but I'm spending a few extra days there. And they mentioned that La Jolla Beach is absolutely beautiful. Sea lions and, you know, other. You're going to love it. Yeah. I love San Diego. Oh, so I'm really excited. It's my first time there. Cool. Yeah. Oh, you know, and folks that listen to us know that Chris is a veteran and you know, you should do some of the Navy, like the mm-hmm. tours and things oh, like that there. It's really that influence on the culture of downtown San Diego. is just really cool. It's just a neat thing. Yeah. So. Thank you for yeah, saying that. Cause I, I forgot how big of an influence. I mean, that's a major mm-hmm. location for, you know, those that are in the U S I was in Norfolk for a portion of my time and then in Hawaii, but I oh. never made it to San Diego as okay. in, while I was in the Navy. So interesting. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. My husband was actually born at the Navy hospital in San Diego. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and my oh, daughter girl. and I were there on a walk and we were on a walk and all of a sudden there it was. I'm like, that's where your daddy was born. Oh, that's cool. Erin, yeah. what about you? What did you just learn? Well, also travel related. My husband is currently in Colombia, and he got to do a trip on the Amazon. Wow. And I just learned that there are pink dolphins in the amazon river which is really cool yeah know that yeah did he send you pictures that's a sore subject chris (laughs) 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 because if you saw our text exchange you'd see pictures question mark pictures exclamation point where are the pictures (laughs) (laughs) lori What yeah, did just learn? so this is actually fairly recent, but I, I was working on a presentation for a big corporate company that is helping them with their, some B2B marketing positioning. And the big, you know, thing that I really lean into is trust. And so that reminded me there's a annual Edelman trust barometer report that, that is published. I'm like, Oh, I haven't looked at it yet this year. So I took a look at it yesterday. Really fascinating. I highly recommend everyone take a look at it. It's a 71 page document, but Ooh. it's a lot of, it's a lot of charts and graphs and whatnot. Oh, you so love that. So yeah, it's, there we go. It's, not, <laughs> it's not like, you know, super heavy words, 
But what's fascinating right now, and this is a global study that's done, it's not just in the US, but it does kind of break down some of the things in the US. But right now, like just the way the world is, the entities that have the highest level of trust is business. People don't trust the media. They don't trust the government. They trust business more than anything else. So I think that's really fascinating. Wow. And there's some interesting like perspectives of what business leaders should be doing to create a sense of community and, but how to do it without being too politicized. Cause there's obviously this huge balance with, you know, what we're doing as a, as a business in our society addressing important issues, but not doing it with a political positioning. So fascinating report. I wanted to just present on the whole report after I found it, but I just pulled a couple nuggets out that I shared. So, but yeah, people want businesses, specifically CEOs to be more involved in societal issues. Yeah. I, you know, we can almost have a whole show just on that report. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I would love to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, Dottie tra- talked about trust earlier. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've had other guests talk about trust and how uh, important, you know, when they're giving advice, how building trust is such a key. So maybe that's a future conversation. Yeah, well, I'll, we'll definitely, we'll include the link to the report in the show notes. So Great. everyone <laughs> will have access to that. Dottie, what about you? So I just want to mention before I say my thing is that there's a, the, the book that where I learned about cordial hypocrisy is, let me just see if I can grab it quick. It is called, it's the, it's by, oh no, I'm going to remember, I'm not going to remember what it is. Fernando Flores and then Solomon is the last name of the other author. And it's on building trust in business, politics, you know, in several different, mm-hmm, he mentioned some, mm-hmm. they mentioned several different, several different areas. I'll send you the title, the exact title and the, and the author's names, but it's for Fernando Flores. And I forget the guy's first name, but Solomon. Okay. Anyway, it's a great book about trust. Really a great book. Cool. Oh, so I, I recently, so let's, I'll go back in May, my daughter ran her first half marathon and she was supposed to run it with her boyfriend and his friend. And she ended up running it alone because one got hurt and then the other one backed out. And I thought, you know, I've I've been kind of changing my diet and my health routines and I started running again. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if I could run a half marathon. Mm. You know, I hadn't run a race in years and years and years and years and years. And while I don't even really think of it as a race, I'm not, you know, I'm just doing it just to see if I can do it. Uh And initially I wanted them all there and I didn't do that. I did it all alone and I was able to finish it. And then I sort of just started back training again. And when I was at that half marathon, I met a woman and she said, oh, you should do this one in Madison. It's got this cool pin. And if you do it for four years in a row, you get these four parts to the pin that create the state of Wisconsin. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should look at that. And I started looking at the training information I had and I learned (laughs) that I should have like stopped running for at least a week, like at four or five days after my half marathon to really let my body recover better. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, I, I, I incorporate rest into my week, into my training week, but I never even thought about, you know, not going right into, okay, let's start training for the next one. So, mm-hmm. you know, just 
I think it's a theme in my life, <laughs> um, you know, that learning to slow down and, mm. and, and actually stopping for a while, stopping one thing for a while and, and not, you know, not thinking that it's going to all like all, everything I did, all that training is just going to, I'm going to lose it all, but mm -hmm. that it's actual necessary part to make sure that I can run great for the next one. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's an important reminder. Yes, it mm. is. We're not, super humans. Yeah. We're not superhumans. We're not superhumans. As much as we all think we are or want oh, to be. Sorry, you're a superhuman. I know you are. Oh, I, <laughs> I crash and burn hard. <laughs> I go, go, go until it's like, okay, yes. time yes. to do nothing for 48 hours. All right. Well, that 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 yeah, that's really good. And we had some fascinating shares today. So Dottie, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? So two ways you can email me, Dottie D-O-T-T-Y at inplainsightinc.com. And it's plain P-L-A-I-N-S-I-G-H-T Inc. In Plain Sight, or just at the website, you can connect with me there. And my information is on there, inplainsightinc.com. Cool. Awesome. We will include that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Super fun conversation. We all learned a couple new nuggets as well. All right. Well, this is three broads wrapping up. Reach out. We want to hear from you. If you're interested in being on the show or you have any guest recommendations, send them our way. Have a fantastic week. Until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.